0: We are live now. I'm going to, I'm going to start one of these like Bill O'Reilly and just slam the table. Do a live Uh, Uh we are, we are back after a little holiday break. Been a few weeks since we've recorded. We've been traveling. We've had sick, well me, I guess I should say sick children over the course of the last few weeks as it happens, but we're back and recorded, man.
1: Yeah, man. Ready for the, ready for the new year. Um, we were talking a little bit about just the hustle and bustle of the holidays. Um, I, like anyone else, am susceptible to uh, the maximum caloric intake of the holidays. Of course. So I, I do kind of relish that a little bit. Um, I don't know if I talked to you about it, but a couple of years ago, I really fell into a pitfall um, during the hunting season where... You know, I had gone out west a few times, three times, four times, whatever it was. I had hunted really hard when I was around here, and you know, I just did not train. I mean, it would yeah. be once a week, maybe twice a week, but it was just it was not a priority because I was hunting. And I thought, you know what? And this this all started around, I guess, the end of November. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take off uh, entirely from Thanksgiving through the New Year. I'm just going to. Walk, you know, if I feel like training one day, I'll do that. But I did not have a focus training in that year. It took me until April to really find my my groove again because January 1st became I'll do it, whatever. January 2nd became I'll do it, whatever. And it just kept going like that. And I haphazardly trained a little bit. So I, I learned from my mistake. And this year, on the heels of last year, I did a much better job. I still allowed myself kind of the down regulation towards the end of the year because I am tired. I mean, even sitting yeah. here right now, I am tired. Um, I've I've hunted really, really hard this year. I'm very. I had this moment uh, last week where I was kind of like, "Man, what do I have to show for all of this?" You know, and the totality of what all of this means. And if you start looking at at kill count. Um, it's very easy to feel like, man, I didn't do that much. But, dude, I did it the way that I wanted to. And I never strayed from that. And I'm very proud of that. And it took me until I slowed down just a little bit to get that feeling of, of man, I have a lot to show for last year. Even if yeah. it's not even if it's not an animal on the ground. And, and some, and, and I would say even most cases, I learned so freaking much this year. Um, just I feel like a, a 10X hunter. After this season, and this this kind of leads me into, I feel that because now, okay, uh, two years ago, I was kind of f- flustered and failing. A year ago, I kind of found my groove, and I learned and got better. So this year, I'm attacking it from a different standpoint. It's like, okay, I'm going to make these changes now, and where I've told you before, when I don't have something to compete in, I don't necessarily keep the same focus of training. Yeah, so now, for sure. Um, I'm kind of breaking my year down into, I will train and and possibly hopefully compete in jiu-jitsu, but I'm going to train for the total archery challenges. As silly as that sounds, nice. um, that's going to be just one of those things that I'm going to circle on the calendar as a date. Well, that's be- the, that's the point though. It's like, it gives you yes. something as a,
0: as an end date for it. So that's yeah, what, and that's all I, mean. I need. I just yeah, need exactly. a
1: circle on the calendar to know that like on this date, I'm going to hike mountains and shoot my bow and mm-hmm. you know. It, it's just accountability. So, as I was telling you before, um, I looked at all my TRT stuff. I looked at my blood work. And just to mitigate any of the cobwebs and really kind of jumpstart myself, I had talked to previously about lowering my TRT protocol um, right. over the last year or so. And That's only because my blood work has consistently improved. And by that, I mean, free testosterone, blood serum, testosterone, right? All of these things were improving even on the reduction, but just because I'm coming off of basically September to December, um, and still ongoing into the hunt season, late season, um, I really feel like, okay, my body is withered a little bit. Uh, I'm not as strong as I was. I'm not as conditioned as I was. So I just bumped those TRT numbers back up a little bit, gave myself uh, an accountability point as well beyond the circle on the calendar. Like, hey, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to uh, change my protocol as a benefit model, I need to put in the work to gain the benefit. So it's just really a couple of things that for me, uh, just give me accountability to what I'm doing and ownership of my choices. And I know that sounds silly and cliche, but it really, really makes a big difference for me and my training in the last few days. All right, you're back. Yeah. We had a little t- technical difficulty there, but what I was getting at was the last few days, my training has gone back to a model that works really, really well for me when my, um, I would say somewhat motivation or inter- reintegrating back into the model is two training times a day for like 20 to 25 minutes. Um, yeah. because I cannot excuse myself for 20 minutes. It's like, Dude, it's twenty minutes. You have to do that. yeah, um, an hour. It's like, man, I can think of ten things I need to do, but twenty minutes. You yeah, for one. sure. So two times a day will evolve into one time a day. But right now, things are working. I'm enjoying the training. The I changed it up a little bit from a very very structured Wolf Brigade model. Uh, yep. To more of. I'm just going to free flow this. I'm going to pick three exercises as a superset. I'm going to do those based on how I feel after that. I'm going to pick three more for another superset. And if I feel good enough, I might do another superset, but it's very instinctive. Um, I know that I need to move my legs. I need to strengthen my legs. I know that I need to move and strengthen my upper body. So I'm just doing, you know, kind of an upper body wave and then a movement wave throughout my two training sessions. So, or, uh, you know, upper body, lower body, and then just general movement. I have, uh, it's it it helps me and that's something that in the past i would beat the crap out of myself if i had taken that long off i would have just beat myself into submission whereas now i'm like no this is this is we're rebuilding the machine here so a little bit gentler a little bit kinder to myself now um and a little bit more understanding of where i'm at have you felt any of that stuff kind of in your transition from critical sport training in college to Hmm. post you know and then also like just integrating it into life. You know, you got a family now you got work. Um, do you struggle with, with kind of getting yourself back into it?
0: hundred percent. Then the I, I'm very similar to you in the regard that I thought that the structure, when I was in the middle of it for sport and when I was like super regimented, I thought when I was done, I was like, I don't need this because of yeah. Like I got it. You know, like I can go in and train and be fine and I don't need to be this. I can go in and kind of, you know, do what you're doing now essentially, but like go in and flow through it. Right. Yep. And that was real appealing to me for a while, especially when I got into the, a little bit deeper into the kettlebell stuff, mm-hmm. Same. because so much, so much of that was just like exploring how to actually move with these things and trying to figure them out. So it was more of like I considered those sessions more like practice rather than me training. You know what I mean? So there was a difference that I, I had made in my head between those two things. But then, I don't know, literally maybe since last summer, and I can't remember if we've talked about it or not, but like I've really felt like I needed in a lot of areas in my life, by the way, not just training, but like I needed some real regimented out. Stuff mm-hmm. like I, I almost you know, and and I've gone through phases where I've worked with coaches since, you know, just just because I don't like always writing my sure. own programming. Like yep. I just give me a break and I'll follow what you do for twelve weeks or whatever. Um, so I've done that periodically too, but there was something about just I, I can't remember if it was probably right around the end of summer, um, getting ready for my Cut and stuff, and I was like feeling pretty good, and uh, but I didn't feel like I had planned for it hard enough like i was fit enough sure but like i didn't look at it like the event i'm training for type of thing Mm -hmm. right and there's a little bit of that i always want to be in that just what's the the cheesy like don't don't get ready stay ready yeah right right like kind of thing but i realized that i'm like i actually do need some more specific structure around my training for sure yeah just because i operate in a way where it's like i need to know exactly like just tell me the sets tell me like give me all this out Mm -hmm. tell me what i should be looking at tell me how i should be feeling or at least what i should be trying to notice while i'm training right like i i don't do too well left to my own devices if my goal is just to go in and move yeah unless like like yesterday for example i had a sick little little girl at home my whole day got thrown schedule wise which is fine but like in those instances, I can do what Mm -hmm. you do. Be like, I can go do something for 20 minutes while she's napping. Like that doesn't matter. I can do that. But like long-term I've realized that I need that. (laughs) Like I need those guidelines and that structure for, for me, because I, I don't know if it's, it's not a focus thing, but it's just like that. Like you kind of feel that with having the end date to train Mm -hmm. for, like, if I don't have something I'm supposed to do while I'm in there, it's just like, I'll just drift and do whatever, you know, like I won't, it just isn't this. I, I I have a hard time with intensity, when when and that's the thing I think I've been missing probably the most in the last handful of months since you know kind of last summer maybe even longer was like I've been like really intensely trained for a while. Yeah, you know, and I was re- I was having that realization. I'm like, and that was part of the stuff where this week I had mentioned to you. Um, I went back in to class the other day for the first time, basically since Thanksgiving and felt great and mm-hmm. had a, you know, got absolutely smashed because that's what happens when you take any remote amount of time off or just when you take a day off from yeah. going to jujitsu, like you come back in, you get smashed. Right. Um, but had a couple of really solid training sessions this week where I've kind of built it around the not like, there's no excuse to not be intense with this because it kind of requires mm-hmm. it you know, so it's shorter rest, it's a little bit higher volume, but I'm still pushing weight. And it was like, it felt really good. Like I haven't done that kind of stuff for a while. So mm-hmm. yeah. In, in long, super winded answer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm the same.
1: Well, do you, I mean, I think we might've touched on this at times before, but I'll be honest with you, man. Um, I don't know if it's the the length of time that I've trained or at the level that I trained, but going to the gym and, and I say this in a hope, for anybody that hears this, that you can understand that it is a choice, not just like an obsession. Um, Yeah. I do not (laughs) like training Um, as far as like with weights and stuff. Like you give me a mountain to hike or you give me some grappling. I I love that stuff. And I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. just like the excitement of it, like the, the curiosity and the newness of it, or if it's just the fact that, you know, every time that i've ever pushed my body as far as physical training goes it has mm-hmm. been for you know kind of like you said i don't want to hear about the pain i just want to see the baby that's kind of <laughs> what it is for me i didn't care what i had to do as long as i got to the platform and won and the win or the the close competition of sport made all the training make sense yep. when you're just trying to be a guy like myself you know i'm going 42 this year And I look at myself in the mirror and I told you, you know, a couple of months ago, I was 222 and I've been as high as 244, like within the last couple of weeks. Um, (laughs) And and most of that I will, you know, I'm being very honest with you, but I'm also being fair to myself. It's not like I gained 22 pounds in a couple of months. What it it amounts to is I was eating a very restrictive um, caloric count or very monitored caloric count very, very few carbs except around training. So I was basically trying to delete my carbohydrates with the training exertion that I had. So add in carbs throughout the day, add in cookies because they're on the counter, add in Rolos that are on pretzels or whatever, whatever the thing is that that gets you down. Like, you know, those things kind of just come out around this time of year. I was eating those and my body just allowed itself to fill out. That's really what it amounts to because just a couple days, really since the first of the year kind of cleaned up a few things, started putting more protein Mm -hmm. into the body, started reducing the carbs. And I just weighed myself. um, You know, I'm down 12 pounds in just like four days. So it's all, you know, it's (laughs) water weight more or less, but it it can, it can definitely be defeating when you know how hard you've worked to weigh a certain particular weight, have a certain particular aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And then, in just a short amount of time, you can blow it out of the, out of the water, no pun intended, but now, you know, kind of getting back into the swing of things, cleaning up the diet, just like that, it started to come back and I started to feel that, but I, I really just don't enjoy training for the sake of training because when I look at the strength numbers that I have, they're pretty good, you know, for somebody who trains the way that I do. When I grapple with people, you know, one of the compliments that I hear is that, you know, You're, you technically suck, but you're strong, you know, one of those (laughs) things. But, um, you know, it's, it's just hard to know how strong do I have to be? How conditioned do I have to be? Is this good enough? Um, can I take two days off in a row? Like all of those start to come into play when you don't have that test. And for me, I need a test all the time because that's why I train harder. When I know that I'm going to be challenged and pushed and tested, then it means something. When it's just going down there and kind of free flowing, I'm like you, I kind of get lost in the weeds a little bit. And I've also been very, very, very uh, specific about changing my training music because I've talked a lot about, Mm. I was doing a lot of like stick figure, which is kind of a new age reggae kind of chill beat um, doing Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, just feel good music. And Mm -hmm. dude, I can train that way and I get to a different kind of place but right now, everything is heavy metal. Everything is bump and rap, you know, because I need to remind myself that who I am now is not a lesser version of who I've been. It's just mm-hmm. a more disciplined version of who I've been. But I need to awaken that dragon every once in a while and remind myself hey, and, and I was equating it to that uh, Christopher Walken speech about the lion, you yep. know. And that's that was the kind of speech that woke me up. It's like, yeah, this last year, you made a lot of changes, you made a lot of observations, and you stayed quiet because the world was kind of crazy. My training was a little bit haphazard, um, you know, scheduling was just haphazard. So for me, sometimes you have to remember first who you are, and then you can remind everyone else. And it's not like yeah. I'm trying to go out here and impress upon anyone. But for me, the first step is getting myself back to a place of remembering why I do this, what I'm building and how I'm going to build it. And then that will, that will take care of itself on the front because it'll be like, when I go to a winter strong or I go to a total archery event or I go to the mountain, those things will be expressed. So again, anybody that listens to this and is like, you know, man, I just haven't found it. You're not, (laughs) you're not a rarity here. I mean, even a guy like me that has trained for 25 years, put in tremendous amounts of effort. It is still a challenge and a struggle. And I'm in the midst of that struggle now evolving it, you know, just learning my body, learning my process, how I do things, um, after a break. So just trying to figure it out, man, and, and find that groove again. I think it's probably going to be encouraging too, to
0: hear that like, a lot of times we don't enjoy it either oh. you know like because i think that gets probably assumed yeah by people like oh this is you know their livelihood in a sense mm-hmm. and it is but it's like the actual act of doing it myself is different than me coaching people well you know i get you i know, get like, messages and, from
1: people that that are like man i wish i had the fire like you got well bro it's embers you know it's it's, yeah. it's just like <laughs> i gotta stoke that thing every single day um yeah and I, I maybe have done a poor job of, of showing that, but I also, it go it falls into the idea of work. Don't whine like nobody gives a fuck if you don't want to train. Like yeah nobody cares if you train or if yeah. you don't. Mm-hmm. So that's on you. And you have to find an accountability point where it's like, my life matters enough to do this, or my time on this earth matters enough to do this at 20. That wasn't how I thought, but you know, I'm 42. I'm, I'm, Probably yeah. halfway done or more, so yeah, you know it's it's kind of fighting Father Time now. That might be the biggest competition of all is figuring out how to kick his ass, right? The uh <coughs> the thing
0: that the, the I can't remember I'm going to butcher how he says it, but one of the things I've loved about how uh, Corey Corey Gregory has always said it, which he, I think he's a few years older than you too. I think I just saw he just turned 45. Yeah, but you're around the same age. Yeah, but he had he says like his thing because he used to do the the 4 a.m. Mm-hmm snapchats the wake your ass up videos which i remember in like high school i remember watching those uh but he always says like it there's nothing special about what i do like nothing is out there or like crazy he's like i just don't miss a day yeah like that's that's he's like there are days i don't want to at all but he's like i've you know i've conditioned myself over 30 years Mm Of lifting, it's like I just I don't miss a
1: day. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing too. After 25 years of training, I mean, my body is prepared to lose 12 pounds of water in a, in a matter of yeah. days. You know, we have talked about that too. It was a struggle to get to 220. Like it was a struggle to yeah. get from 345 all the way down there. But once I hit 220, yep. you know, I fluctuate. 230 is really kind of my catch weight between 220 and yep. 240. I'm always in yep. that range. Super easy to maintain. So I'm not. I'm not um, denying that it's hard, but for me, right. I do understand. One, I'm a super responder. As soon as I touched a weight when I was 17 years old, my body started transforming. Um, yep. Very, very, very responsive to uh, my TRT protocols. Anything that I put in my body as a supplement or whatever, um, it just it works. I don't know yep. why, but it just seems like I had a really good response, even from like Tylenol. You know, I've always been a one Tylenol kind of guy because I never take it. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I I just I I guess I say all of that, one, to kind of hear where you're at. But two, um, I'm thinking of one guy in particular that messages me, not frequently, but periodically and just kind of like I can I can almost tell he's talking himself over the hurdle via his message. So I just to a guy like him or to anybody that's struggling, it is always hard. It is always, Mm -hmm. always hard for me. Um, I don't feel like I know everything about training, but I feel like I know enough to improve myself. So I get a little bit bored with that aspect of it. Like with archery, Mm -hmm. I'm still learning with jujitsu. I'm still learning with the outdoors and hunting. I'm still learning. So those things captivate me training. I know what to do. It's just, you know, same soup reheated. I get that. So this is going to be a real weird path I
0: take to get here. Mm -hmm. Um, I just started watching Reacher. Okay. last night heard a lot about the it. Amazon Prime, so it's good. It's I like it a lot. Um, I watched. I think I'm like three or four episodes into the first season when the second season just came out and everybody's talking about that. So I'm like, I haven't watched the first mm-hmm. season, so I went back and watched it. Alan Richardson is a mammoth of a human. He's giant. Um, but I I was I think he had he had ended up on my and I know him from Blue Mountain State. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if yeah. you Ever watched Blue Mountain State? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thad castle yeah yeah right um um, but he 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 ended up on my on my instagram feed and he was talking about his training because as you can imagine him portraying a tank of a man in that show everybody's always like oh what's he doing for training like all this Mm -hmm. stuff and he gets on and and it was funny he was kind of like lighthearted about it and he's like i don't i don't have a clue (laughs) <laughs> what i'm doing he's like he's like i don't you guys are asking me what to do he's like i don't know i like i figured some stuff out that kind of works I'm, i might fall on a plan but he's like people are asking me well, what do i need to do and he's like i don't know just like go go do some push-ups man yeah go go do some do something like it doesn't matter you know and so like those it, and it was really funny because i'm sure like people reading that they're that that's somewhat encouraging too like hearing somebody that looks like they've got it all figured out yeah and then he's like, dude, I don't know. I'm just following, I'm following a plan that somebody gave me too. It's just, it's working well, but he's like, I don't have any advice other than just like go do something. Yeah.
1: You know? Well, I, was, I, I you know, I saw this guy online. He's 52, 53 year old black guy. Um, and I mean, obviously superior genetics, just by looking at him, his muscle bellies, all that kind of stuff. And the fact that he's black, you know, they tend to have a little bit leaner disposition just from the jump. You know, if they sh- if they put any effort yeah. forward, it it pays off. And um, this guy is like 52, 53 years old. All he does is these really strange like yoga-esque movements with dumbbells. Like mm. he, he nothing that he's doing is in an exercise chart anywhere. Dude is absolutely shredded to death and looks I mean I don't know that he's strong, strong, like powerlifting strong, but I do know the weights he's using relative to some of the movements he's doing is extremely impressive. So I have no doubts that this guy is strong. He doesn't do anything conventionally. He just picks it up and moves to to further that. I saw a guy that was digging a ditch or digging a hole um, somewhere in the Middle East and he was barefooted, you know, he's just digging sand. So it's not like a huge uh, demand, but again, this guy is shredded absolutely Mm -hmm. shredded and he looked fairly muscular and you know the bulk of his work i'm sure is a 12-hour day shoveling sand and he looks this way so aesthetic is not always a real indicator of performance capability like those guys can they can slow burn for 12 hours or the guy that i'm talking about training unconventionally can do his stuff but now put him under a barbell he may not be you know, correlatively strong. Right. Same thing for the other right. guy. So I tell people to train for the performance that your life needs first, and as a byproduct, yep. your aesthetic will follow. A lot of people form follows function, exactly. And a lot of people get it backwards. They they yep. will self destroy to gain an aesthetic. You know, like whether that's abusive dieting or you know abuse of of some kind of supplement or steroid, mm-hmm. they will abuse mm-hmm. themselves to get an aesthetic and really really diminish. performance so yeah um, i mean it'd just be like going into a marathon on a fast like why are you going to do that to yourself you're going to kill your performance so same kind of thing for people who are like extreme dieting or whatever it is you know um Mm -hmm. but i think this year one of my focuses for myself and for this for peace love and meat too is to write more about my training as it's going on because a lot of time i'm very very reflective And what I don't get in those moments of reflection is the immediate reaction. So when I'm having a training session, how was it? What did I feel? What did I, what should I have changed? Where could I have found more intensity? Where should I have scaled back intensity? So kind of those notes that I'm taking on my training. Perfect. As I go through my diet, I'm going to detail some more of that stuff. It keeps me accountable. So next year at this time, when I look back and it was like, man, I was cooking by February. So what was I doing? Yep. It'll allow me to go back and and judge and manipulate and make changes. But I think that Mm -hmm. somewhat ties into our entire focus for this year, which was to actually make Peace, Love & Me an operational business, um, get some merchandise, have a Patreon that is dedicated to doing more, as we've talked about, than Instagram or any other medium will allow. And this ties right into that. Honestly, some some of the yeah. some of the training evolutions, some of the notes about training, some of the the diet ideas, some of just the general evolution of who we are and what we learn and what we can share. Um, mm-hmm. But you want to talk a little bit about that, and we've also in tandem yeah. with that, we've got the compound bow giveaway. So um, yeah, it's all tied together. This is not uh, some master plan. This is all kind of flying by the seat of our pants. <laughs> but credit to Ross for really doing a lot of the work that I would have just been standing there with my hands on my pockets. Like, I don't know what to do next. (laughs) So he's done a lot of that stuff and really kind of pushed me in a direction that helped me see how valuable some of these things can actually be. If I just do, if I just take five more minutes after my training and write these things down, the value for myself, but then also the ability to share and discuss those things with a a private group of people, you know, it's not like putting it out there for the masses and just throwing it to the wind. It's more like this is a place where, there can be deep conversation. There can be more integrated uh, information sharing. So why don't you take it away on that, man?
0: Sounds good. And I think that's a good segue point to it too, because that was ultimately the, the reason that I thought it would be something that would work for us Mm -hmm. is because there's a lot of stuff that I think people would find value in Mm -hmm. that doesn't have the same punch. If it's just an Instagram post. Well, for example, let me me make a point about that.
1: So I posted the video today. It's a minute, 12 minute, 15 seconds long. Right. And really the, the breadth of the post is to show a superset. Well, I looked at the the insights on Instagram and it shows, I mean, as of a few minutes ago, it was like eight hours has been watched, you know, eight hours. (laughs) This video has been watched for eight hours total. (laughs) I looked at the average view time and it was nine seconds. So what's happening is uh, there's a large number of people that are tuning in for, you know, one second or two seconds. And then there's a counterbalance where people are tuning in for the whole time. The, the point of something like Patreon would be to talk to those people who would tune in the full time and go Mm -hmm. further. You know, I don't care about the people who just want to like the post because my name's beside Mm -hmm. it or peace, love and meets beside it or your name's beside it. I want people who are actually there invested in trying to learn. And that's the only reason we went with Patreon. It's, it's like there's a, there's a catch point too, where as a coach, when you have clients that you're providing a value system to, and they're paying you for that, yeah, um, you have to be really, really careful and respectful of that. When you start just disseminating so much free information online, no problem yeah. with free information. Free information is valuable in its own right, but to go mm-hmm. deeper, to make this more of a paid service equivalent, not necessarily to our one-to-one coaching, but more equivalent to deserving of, of that deeper connection, that extra information, yeah. the videos, the training notes, the field notes from hunting, uh, gear notes, all of these yep. things that you're going to kind of break down and i jumped jump the gun on. But nevertheless, um, it really mm. is spawned from a place of desire to give more and yep. also to give more at a value point that makes any budget possible. So for sure. And so the
0: actual breakdown of it, um, because like what we said, we had this idea of what else could we be doing that we think would be of value. Mm -hmm. Right. So we mentioned like those things where if we're training and we have these notes on our training breakdowns and many people that are following the weekly program that we put out for free on Instagram already, You know, having questions about that and on the in the comments is fine, but we also wanted to have a a place where we can provide some more context around why we're doing certain things, certain focuses as you go into into these sessions. Mm -hmm. Like you know, notes from us about why this week looks like it does, Mm -hmm. what you should be going after in this training, if it's even just like when you do this exercise, here's what you should be
1: noticing. Yeah. Or emphasize, should be feeling. emphasize a stretch emphasizing here or exactly, e- you know, exaggerate a push e- or whatever it is. There's, there's e- always exactly. valuable notes.
0: So we're going to have essentially how this breaks down is there will be three different uh, mm-hmm. membership tiers that all have varying levels of, stuff hmm. basically um because we mentioned the merch which is coming soon we're waiting on some uh some finalized design stuff which is pretty rad already um just tweaking the thing a little bit to get it ready to go and then we'll have some merch uh so i'll back up the the site as of now is going to launch in full finally after however many months of doing this uh on next friday the 12th correct next is the 12th right Yep. yeah the 12th um all of it will live there. The merch will live there. The membership will live there. Everything will be in this one place. So when we have these things like this, uh, this membership system, some of the things that we wanted to do, like we mentioned, was have these things that we're going to call field notes because um, it works well for what we're for what we're talking about, right? right? Uh, but it's essentially going to be an extra, you know, members only podcast that we're going to do, and sometimes it'll be both of us. Oftentimes, it'll probably just be one of us sharing something, whether it's regarding the training, whether it's gear, whether it's a hunt recap, something that we can provide some value on. That'll be an extra uh, podcast note. It'll have its own feed. Um, We'll have these things in every week. There'll be members only merch that we'll have. That'll be fun that we can do some giveaways with, have some like designs that only the people a part of the membership will have access to and actually i'm going to talk you through some production stuff on this as i'm thinking of it right now what i just had is an idea like we're doing all this new design stuff right which all that will be un- unleashed relatively soon but i think a cool members only thing would be to have some shirts of the original logo oh yeah yeah for that, sure. you know what i mean yep. like have the og mm-hmm. plm logo on it um that was just me thinking out loud yeah no, i like that um so we're going to have like the the training pr- plan guides, like we mentioned, breaking down each week. If you're following the thing, uh, each level will have, you know, increasing up to the up to the highest participation level, membership level will have increasing amounts of discounts off the merch. Um, you'll have access to like ad free episodes, early access to episodes. I mean, each thing, if you've ever seen a, a Patreon or a membership site, like there's different value added the the more you want to be a part and support the what it is that we're doing and so we wanted to make it really something that seemed valuable so people want to come in and be a part of essentially this community that we're trying to create because we know that a lot of people that follow the page that really engage with the page because you know when you have ten thousand or whatever people that follow the page if you're looking at numbers how things translate in in the insights and the algorithms and stuff it would blow a lot of people's mind about like you said even just talking about that one video Mm -hmm how many people see something versus how many people engage with something. Mm -hmm. Right. And what we want to do is have a place where the people that really want to engage with what we're doing, have a place where we can all do that together. And then it's not something someone else controls the platform for, right? (laughs) Like, cause we've talked about before on some previous episodes with a lot of the censorship stuff, like something could happen and Instagram could literally go away tomorrow. And we would have literally no control over that. And there's, Ten and a half thousand people that follow the page, however many people actually view it, you know, whatever percentage that is, we'd have no way to communicate with them Mm -hmm. at that point. And so that's why we push things like the newsletter. And then that's why we're having things like this, because we want to have those abilities to still do the things that we love talking about and have a place for them that is kind of ours. You know, so that's that's a main focus of it, too. But the one thing that I think is going to be cool. Um, We'll have a couple of upper tiers that will have some pretty exclusive opportunities as far as uh, potential meetups that we're going to try to organize Uh, one to two to however many times a year we can make it happen. If it's something simple, just like meeting up for a weekend to train and hike and your fish or get some food or like we can find sign a, a kind of a fun place that. Is relatively easy to get to for a lot of people, cheap to get to for a lot of people. Like we have a bunch of these ideas that, you know, none of them are really ready to do yet. Well, <laughs> but these things that are like available for people that are a little bit more in invested in, in what it is that we're doing. We want to reward that kind of support, you know. Yeah, I mean? well, I'll
1: give you an example. Um, a few years ago, I was working uh one of the Cube method groups, and this was a very tight-knit group. Um, they kind of really the group kind of became theirs you know i was just there to Mm -hmm. kind of moderate what they were doing this is a long-term client list you know eight to twelve people and one of the people had had suggested like a meetup hey let's get together let's train let's cook some amazing food let's just hang out sit by a fire drink some beers so i found a really just unbelievable airbnb in uh, southwestern ohio And it was kind of centralized Mm -hmm. to a lot of the people who were going to make the effort to get there. And dude, this house was the house was incredible. It was just an amazing place on an amazing landscape. Um, Everybody came, you know. It was just a really, really. There was not one negative event that or a negative moment in that entire event. And it was a, you know, it was a day or is like kind of a midday evening, day one, and then a full day two, and then everybody went home. But it was so positive from a group structure standpoint that I've always, you know, I've talked about harvest, um, wanting to do that project and COVID kind of derailed the plans for that. So I see some of that being integrated into this as well. Like, you know, cooking, going out to drink uh, for food and drinks, um, at a really nice restaurant or something like that. I mean, there's, there's a million ways to spin this. And we even talked, I'll just kind of tip my cards. We had talked a little bit about, a place like Denver. It's very, very cheap to fly to um, tons and tons of high quality restaurants, pubs, bars, things to do there, the outdoors, obviously. So something like that. I mean, you know, Ross is obviously out West, I'm out East. So it could be a once to two year or once to twice a year kind of thing, East coast, West coast. Mm-hmm. Um, if we do one in once a year, it'll probably be a little more centralized so that people can get there affordably. And have a really, really good time. So um, that's just one of the the options that we were talking about that would be exclusive to those upper two tiers on the Patreon. Yep. And the way I think that, you know, again showing the cards, that will probably work is that the brunt or the majority of those will go to the top tier, and then we will yep. randomly select someone interested from the second sure. to, to top tier. So yeah, just I don't expect these events to be more than a few people. I want them to be exclusive. I want them to be mm-hmm. high value, um, low investment for people. So I mm-hmm. think this will be a good way to go about that. Even if it's nothing like I just described, whatever we do is going to be <laughs> top notch. Because one, yeah, I, I'm too busy. You're too busy. I don't want to go do things that I'm not going to enjoy. So if I create something, I want it to be maximally enjoyable for myself and anyone that could possibly right. attend. So we got some yeah. really great ideas on that front.
0: And and the nice thing about it is we've been putting a lot of this stuff together for, I mean, several months now. And the this part of it is finally ready, but there's still a lot of stuff that we, we don't need to rush mm. uh, that we can have a lot of fun ideas kind of come to fruition over the course of however long we do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, what's cool is having a community of people that are really engaged and want to do stuff uh, and be a part of what it is that peace, love and meat is like all that stuff will kind of happen pretty organically too, which is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, So this also, this whole thing that we're talking about now with the web, with the website and the membership um, also ties into the other thing that we wanted to cover this episode. Um, We're doing the first of the three bow giveaways. Mm -hmm. And the reason that this one is pertinent to this conversation is because the main entry point for the bow giveaway is to become a member. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you want to talk a I'll turn it over to you for the the specs on the bow stuff and how all that came to be. Mm-hmm. Um how how which bow it is that we're doing this month and then and then we can kind of even break down you know what the what the entry point is going to be yeah so
1: this month is going to be a compound bow. Uh my friend Quentin he helped me get this bow. I'm gonna just verify some details with them before I I tell you all the specs on the bow. I do have it it's it's right downstairs in the garage. So bow is ready to be built and shipped. Uh, I just want to make sure that from their end, they're getting from us what they want as far as uh, photos and description and all that stuff. So what we're really looking to do here is one, we want to grow the Patreon, but we also want to give people a low dollar entry. So if you don't want to join the Patreon, which is fine, totally understand you'll just go to this page and make a general donation, but you're going to pay more than you would if you signed up for the lowest entry point on the Patreon. So, we're going to have a $10 entry level for the Patreon. We're going to have a $20 mid level and a $50 top level. If you buy one Patreon or you buy one month at $10 um, and sign up there, you'll get one entry. When you sign up for the 20, you get two entries. When you sign up for the fi- the $50, you get five entries. So essentially it's $10 yep. per entry to win this bow. It's going to come completely kitted out. It's going to be the bow, sight, rest. Um, I'm going to personally build your arrows for you. I'll get those arrows uh, kind of decided upon once we figure out your draw length and things like that. So there's going to yep. be a lot more into it than just, hey, here's a bow. Uh, we also have some other special prizes that will go into that as well. But nevertheless, if you want to pay outright for a, for a tally or for a, um, an entry, it's going to be $15. So it would just make more sense to go ahead and sign up for the Patreon. If you buy a year up front, it is a discounted price. You're going to get 10 entries for 15 for that so nevertheless i think it's a really good opportunity um low point of investment to get entered to win a really cool bow a lot more than just the bow and then also um i'll even say this if you're one of the bow winners um well i don't want to say say it just yet but we've got we've got a pretty cool i just i want to tell because it's so good but i've got some exciting add-ons like i said beyond just the bow beyond just um being able to shoot the thing there are some pretty cool things involved with winning one of these. So the winner that looks at it and says, you know what? I spent $10 or I spent 15 on a donation or I spent $50. When you look at the cumulative of what you're going to get for each of these bows, Mm. it will be worth your money. It will be worth your time. And on the back end of the Patreon will be worth your investment. So you really can't lose here. If you sign up for the Patreon, if you give a shit about what we do, we're only going to do more of it and better. And then also that just gets you a chance to win the bow. So this is kind of an incentivization for incentivization. Did I say that right? Incentivization.
0: I have no idea. That sounded
1: it, right. It, I didn't correct you on it. Yeah. It sounded weird when I said <laughs> You're the it. English major. I know, right? <laughs> so, so just to, just to kickstart this off for us and really see who, who is kind of invested and wants to get involved with this, Yeah. but also giving away a bow. So it really is uh, – I'm, I'm proud to do that, you know, because it's um, – it's something that has helped me through a lot of stuff is Mm -hmm. just having the ability to to have an outlet to shoot or to hunt. I mean, it's, it's really what you make of it. So.
0: Yeah. And so well, just to recap for the entry thing, there's, there's three membership levels, 10, 20 and $50 a month, Mm -hmm. just like any normal membership deal. It's on a monthly recurring basis. If you do the $10 one, you get one. If you do the 20, you get two, if you do the 50, you get five. Uh, And then there's going to be an extra area where if you just want to buy a one off ticket, it'll be 15. And uh, so, I mean, if you're going to buy more than one ticket, you might as well just do one of the membership things anyway. Yeah. Um, But that will be the main entry point. The next bow giveaway that we do next month will have a different entry mechanism format. Yeah. mechanism it, w- it won't be tied to the membership site right um the reason we're doing it this one is because we're launching it and we figured it would be a good time to just do it all together um re- the next one will be different the next one is going to be the longbow the one after that will be the recurve that will have another format of entry so we're doing these all kind of their own economies f- of things essentially mm. but that's going to be for this one the compound and then like brandon said he's going to build the arrows um, we'll probably throw, I would imagine we would throw some of the new merch in there, mm-hmm. um, by the time that gets done. So, I mean, th- there'll be a little package of stuff that comes, it'll be really, uh, really pretty valuable for what it is that you enter to, to get, well, I mean, the boat itself,
1: so. you know, you're talking, you're going to be talking close with, with everything kitted out on it. You're probably going to be somewhere. I mean, it's going to be North of a thousand dollars, you know, for with sure. everything that, that yep. is going to be just on the bow. So, yep. And there'll be more beyond that as well. So, $10 entry, $20 entry, 15, 50, whatever you do. Pretty good ROI, pretty good ROI. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> if you're the winner and y'all you did was
0: get a, get one ticket for $10, it's pretty solid. Yeah. Well, you know, and
1: that's <laughs> I don't know. I kind of I feel weird about some of that stuff cuz you know, obviously there's someone who will want to buy, you know, maybe the the $50 Patreon and then maybe buy tickets on top of that and increase your chances that's great yeah but I also like the story where one dude was just like uh I was at the one of the events at attack last year and uh the wild sheep foundation did one of their giveaways and the raffle mm-hmm. was like 40 bucks or something and a guy bought one ticket and he won the the hunt you know it's like a oh, no it's like way. a thirty thousand dollar hunt or something for a forty dollar entry and some guy that's uh, awesome. had spent like four like four hundred dollars um on 10 tickets or 12 tickets or whatever they gave him for 400 but it's just kind of cool that both people can play the game and, and the guy that puts in one can still win. Yeah.
0: That'd be fun.
1: So that's basically the deal. As far as all
0: that's concerned, was there anything that we didn't cover there? We get everything that we needed to cover on that front.
1: No. And just to, just to specify, I don't think that like we're going to hit you for, for $10 on each of these, I guess to kind of back no. up and say this first <laughs> one is going to be a true raffle style where you buy a ticket yep. uh, or an entry to, yep. and that'll get you towards the bow. The next one will be another protocol, but it won't be a dollar amount. It'll be something else that we have lined up. And then the third will be the same kind of thing. So this is to kick off the Patreon. The next one will be to highlight and and focus on another point of our of our business. And then the third one will also be on another focus point for us as well. So all of this, as chaotic as it may sound and seem, (laughs) um, there is there is a vision to this. And I appreciate everyone for being patient as we've done this, because I don't think for Ross and I, either of us really saw this as like, hey, we need this to be a business, but it, it just makes sense for it to be a business with the time investment yeah. and the pot, you know, you sell one shirt in the current economy of the, of the IRS, um, they'll kill you. So you have to make sure that you're paying taxes and that it, uh, I've I've probably yeah. got, um, yeah, statute of limitations on some things <laughs> that I don't need to talk about, <laughs> but uh, not for public not for public airways, but <laughs> it's good to pay your taxes on merchandise that you sell folks.
0: Uh, the ducks are free. You can just go take them. Yeah, exactly. Nope, you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else you got, man? Let me, um, what was the, there was another thing I had. Um, had written down i talked i told you i was starting to watch Reacher, which actually was oh you got me am i here yeah you're back oh there we go i don't know what happened we had some weird technical things today dude yeah irs is Um, against us they heard us already (laughs) in the recording they know that we 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 owe them 42 cents on something from 12 years ago and they're gonna they're gonna swat us the uh i think i told you so i started watching reacher Mm -hmm. and uh did you ever read those books? No, I didn't. Did Were you into Were you a Tom Clancy guy at all? Reading any of that? Tom
1: Clancy, but by proxy, became a bigger fan of Vince Flynn. Uh, Vince Flynn was like yeah. um, he was like an edited version of Tom Clancy. Instead of twelve thousand pages, he was four hundred and fifty yep. pages of like yep. every page was sure. action.
0: Yep, yep. The uh, I had read um, a couple of the Reacher ones back in high school and uh, cause I, I remember it was around the, well, it was a couple years later that the Tom Cruise movie came out of him, mm-hmm. but that uh, with the movie itself was fine. But what I always thought was funny was in the, in the books he's described and portrayed as being like this mammoth mm-hmm. six foot five, 250 pound, just giant human. Yeah. And it's like, so you have five foot six, 160 pound Tom Cruise. I'm just like a lot of times that stuff doesn't really bother me, but I just thought it was funny that like, and I'm sure it's, you know, cause Tom produces everything. He wanted to be the title character or yeah. whatever. Um, and it's still good. I have movie, a great idea like, for a movie.
1: I'm going to be the star.
0: <laughs> 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 but he, uh, the, the show so far is good. And he actually has that. Does he like, he's big dude. Yeah. He's a big dude. And he put on like 25, 30 something pounds. Yeah to be, to be reaching the thing, but it's, it's good. But dude, I think I've told you this before. It reminds me when I just said Tom Cruise, I went to when the, when the most recent mission impossible came out, Mm -hmm. I think I texted you when I went to it this summer or whatever. Um, There are few, if any movies that I will go see in theaters anymore, Mm -hmm. like just because it's so expensive to go to a theater, if it's not going to be like something, I really want to go see. I'm not just going to go, go to a theater to waste Twenty five dollars for a movie I might like, yeah, right. You know, but I can pretty much guarantee I will go to a Tom Cruise movie in a theater as long as he makes movies. Yeah, like that. There, he just has a. He is really the last, the last of the breed of like the action hero
1: from that like eighties, nineties. Well, he's still era, believable. I think you know. Like, I'm not. I'm not a yeah. huge, like, overwhelming Tom Cruise fan. I'm a fan of a lot of his movies: The Mission Impossible, Top hero? Gun all that yeah. stuff you know i'm a big fan of that yeah. but like when i see schwarzenegger and uh stallone and those guys what was those what were those damn movies they did the unremarkable Oh, oh yeah the Expendables. The
0: expendable yeah
1: whatever it was called i never saw one of those piece of shit movies in my life like i, I will protest i will never ever see a movie the movie like that right. um because it's just they just they just want your dollar. like that's all it is yeah but nevertheless, like coming out with another one too. Good, I'm glad. You know what the tag? You know what the tagline is uh, for? Tito it? Ortiz, Tito all Ortiz returns. What's it called? I don't. know. And
0: they're, they're um, The tagline is like Expendables four, but then like the quote underneath it says,
1: "They'll die when they're dead." Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> I wish they had the '80s uh, movie guy. And they're back. You remember the, the guy that did yeah, every movie in a world? Yeah. Oh, the the beginning of uh, Tropic Thunder was the best. Uh, oh, when they were doing that, that <laughs> when movie, they were doing. <laughs> Oh. that
0: movie kirk lazarus oh
1: man <laughs> what an epic movie
0: but that's his that that is robert downey jr's finest acting he's ever done i'm i have said that since that movie came out like it any other thing you know iron man all the funny movies he did his best acting work ever was that
1: movie i liked him when he had uh him and toby mcguire were doing like the the, like yeah. the gay, <laughs> the the priest, gay priest and he like <laughs> reaches over and grabs his hand and Oh my god, that whole movie was amazing. Uh, but you know, I'm a big, I'm a big, um, I'm a book guy. So I, you know, I read yeah. a lot of books before uh, the movies hit or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one that I was so sorely disappointed um, was mm. I was a big Angels and Demons, big Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown fan. I read those books, really yeah. liked them. Tom Hanks as Professor Robert Langdon, get the fuck out mm. of here like I don't care how good of an actor you are right. like they just filled his I mean I knew the movies were going to be mega mega budget hits like yeah. they're going to hit huge so you need someone to carry it the way I saw Robert Langdon would have been someone more and it wouldn't have worked because mm. of his accent but I saw someone more like a Javier Bardem or mm. um you know somebody like somebody who to me appeared a little rougher around the edges like somewhat tortured by this obsession with education with with higher learning right and yeah. uh i thought that they would be like classically good looking charming funny witty um i don't know i just thought the tom hanks character was not fitting of robert langdon at at all mm-hmm. like i just i got the movie i like the movies but I looked at him every single time and was like, it should have been 10,000 other people, you know?
0: Yeah. That's a, man, I can't even remember. I, I went to see the first one. I never saw the second yeah. one. Um, I saw the first one and I was, I mean, I was like middle school when the movie mm-hmm. came out. But uh, I remember thinking like the movie itself Left a lot out, and I hadn't even read the book. Oh yeah, <laughs> like just because of the ti- the time that I was like, I wasn't, I hadn't read Da Vinci Code as a fourteen year old or whatever. <sighs> but like, I remember thinking, I'm like, there's a lot of stuff that seems like there's not in this movie. Yeah, that was the you other thing I mean?
1: too. Is there's just so many intricate details, as there always is in a book. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I love about a book is that when I characterize someone that I'm reading about, you're building a version of that person in your head, like, and it's from your experience on on Earth, like when it says it's this kind of person you're going through five or six people that you've met in that characterization to like kind of meld this visual of who this person is. Yep. So, yeah, and, and especially like in the Mitch Rapp series, I got very invested in those characters. Cause I read, I think there was 10 of the books out when I started reading them, maybe eight, but I yeah. read eight in nine days. I remember that. Um, and it, it was, wow. it was like I was burning through 450 pages a day. Um, I was on a vacation at the beach, and it was literally the first time in my life that I had sat on a beach and not been in the water. Like, I fuck all those people that go to the beach and sit in chairs. Like, I don't know what you're going to the beach for, just sit in your backyard. Like, if you're going to be at the beach, get in the water. That's how I work. Well, I'm like college age, 22 years old, you know, and uh, I'm sitting here just powering through these books. And when I got back from vacation, I, I kept reading them. So, those those were really good. I didn't love um, the Mitch Rapp character. I can't remember his name. He was in the movies uh, American Assassin that came out a few years ago. Yeah, um, yep. didn't love him. Didn't hate him. But do you yep. have any other like standout movies where somebody just sucked as a characterization from the book? You yeah, like yeah. who was who should have been.
0: Uh. I don't know if I can point to like a character. I remember thinking that there was just movies in general that didn't didn't do great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough with a lot of the like those actiony, like those Tom Clancy type ones because there's so ma- there's been so many of those projects yeah. that were turned into film or TV series that uh, like all it is is just it's an action movie. So like there's a point where it's like it doesn't really matter who it is, kind of a thing. You know, mm-hmm. you could put. Ten different guys in the role of uh, of Jack Ryan, mm-hmm. right? And they're all going to be good. Yeah, like I think the newest model with Krasinski's
1: been really good. I don't know if you watched that. Yeah, yeah, movie, yeah. yeah. But I, he was really good in I it. I liked him in Zero Dark Thirty too. Or no, no, it was thirteen yeah. hours. Thirteen hours. That's what he thirteen, 13 hours. hours.
0: Pratt Pratt was Zero Dark yep. Thirty, um, but but. Krasinski was good in this one, but I also like the movie that Chris Pine did mm-hmm. like 10 years oh, ago yeah, of yeah. Jack Ryan. Yeah. Like he was good in that too. So there's like that one level where it's like if it's that type of role, there's 12 dudes who could do it and it's still essentially be the same movie. You yeah. know what I mean? I think like where you're talking with with like a Tom Hanks, where it's su- supposed to be some real high-profile thespian mm-hmm. type type dude, like they it it can go miss the mark yeah, pretty easily a lot. Um Javier Bardem would have been a good one. I'm trying to think of the other dude who's always who uh is it Benicio, Benicio del Toro? Yeah, like yeah, him. yeah. That's the yeah. other that's actually yeah. the other
1: guy I was going to say yeah. but it was going to disqualify on the same account like they can both do an americanized accent. But you yeah. know, Langdon was a little bit more of like and I and I don't say this with any disrespect, he was a little bit more of like that um That Midwestern journalist kind of in my head, you know, because a lot of my professors in the English department spoke like that. They spoke very, very plainly and they spoke, um, not good English, but just like that monotone, like this is the middle Mm -hmm. of the road, American dialect. And I don't know if those guys could pull it off, but that's, that's kind of how I read Langdon. But anyway, um, Benicio del Toro is incredible actor. Like I, I love him. Uh, Javier Bardem, most people know him for uh, No, no country, country, country for Old man. Men. But the movie that, that I got introduced to him was uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which is a um, – what's, what's the little short guy? Woody Allen. It was one of his movies. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I'm not a big Woody Allen fan, but I actually – when I was in college, I saw that movie. <laughs> I watched Under the Tuscan Sun. And that movie, God, this is a, this is a low point in my movie watching career, <laughs> but I watched, uh, under the Tuscan sun and that movie back to back one night. It just happened to be on and watched them. So those were, uh, one sucked and the other one kind of pulled me in, but that's where I realized like, yeah. this dude is interesting. And I didn't, I didn't see him again until no country for old men. And then I saw him again in the bond movie where he was the villain. Um,
0: Right. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was. In- yeah.
1: Well, what do you think about that? Like the Bond iterations. Like, do you think that just- they should have gone like Robert Brockley, Ian Fleming should have gone? All right, our first guy. Um, you, you know, we we've got this amazing lineup of of people here, and you know, you just do you stick with one archetype, or do you try to mm. just diversify? Because Daniel Craig is not Roger Moore is not Timothy Mm -hmm. Dalton, is not um, Sir – Pierce Brosnan. Well, Pierce Brosnan, but um, God, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. You know, like that was – Dr. No was the jump off with Sean Connery. And it's like Roger Moore, I saw that. Like I could see that jump. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know that like we're going the right direction. You know, like it's getting to the point where it's like – do you honor the past or do you just reinvent him with every characterization? Cause I'm a big Bond oh, well, guy. It, so I, I, that was what that's, I, I like, that's one too. of the connections that I have with my dad is bond movies. Like who's your favorite? Uh, definitely. Um, Sean Connery followed by Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, Timothy Dalton. But I mean, that's, there's the late, there's a the guy that did the, the queen and her secret service majesty or whatever. There was the one off guy. Um, but then, uh, Daniel Craig has been a damn good bond, yeah. but I have the nostalgia aspect for the others. Cause those are like the seven for seven on TBS, the seven days of double Oh seven. Yeah. Yes. That's, I mean, I would watch them as much as I could. And my dad would always like quote them and you know, Oh, here comes this, or this is going to happen or whatever. But, um, I just have a strong tie to those movies for that reason, probably. But yeah, that's one I've always wondered is like, who would, who would I pick for bond?
0: I was just gonna ask who do, who if you got to pick actors now, like not someone to replace somebody who's done it before, but like moving forward, who? Because I have one that I think is probably a pretty popular thing, but I don't think he'll get it. Um, was Henry Cavill?
1: Okay, yeah. Now dude, that's actually a really good I think he'd be I think he'd be a killer. James that Bond. is actually a really good one that I hadn't thought of. Um, I was gonna say. Um, the guy that was in Peaky Blinders, Tommy. Um, I can't th- Tommy Sell. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's a little too he's Killian, a little too jaunt. Killian Murphy. Yeah, he's just a little too jaunt, too lean. Like um Yeah. You know, like he looks sucked in a little bit. Um Yeah. <laughs> you know, you almost have to have like if you took George Hamilton, like and mixed him with somebody yep. else British, yep. that's yep. kind of where Bond falls for me, because it's like he's tanned, you know, he's not ripped, but he's in good shape, like mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um yep. I don't know. Man, can you imagine being Henry Cavill, being Superman and James Bond? Never been in the same room at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Dude, that, that would be pretty cool. That's actually a really, really good one. Um, I'm trying to run. I've seen people, I've seen people see uh, Idris Elba also. yeah, Yeah. I mean, I have no problem with that. I like him a lot, but it just, what is a character at that point? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it just to me is like, well, we're going to make a Michael Jordan biopic, but we're going to use Larry Bird's kid. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> like just just right. create me another. Like I know James Bond mm-hmm. is James Bond. Just let me have that, and then let's create another secret well, agent. Some of
0: my favorite memes, by the way, is when people will put like the the movie posters, and it'll be like uh, they willbecause because it's been the whole thing with all the Netflix stuff. How they've just replaced? Oh yeah, yeah. Every, <laughs> Based on so, like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> And somebody will have like a movie and it was called, uh, it, it, which one movie it was a movie about, Oh, it was Malcolm X. Yeah. And it,
1: the, and the thing was Ryan Gosling. <laughs> oh my God. I uh, saw this thing today. This is probably going to get the podcast banned, but I'm just quoting. Um, now it was so funny Not his words. It was so funny. This, this preacher was talking about, and he's, he's up there in front of the pulpit and is a black church, and he's standing there and he goes, Lord Tyler Perry, he did what even RuPaul couldn't do. He got us black folks liking drag, and he was talking about Medea. It's like, come with it, man. Come with it. Tell us how you really feel. But you know, um, back to the bond thing, I, I would have to look. I, at one point in time, I thought, um, God, I'm having a complete brain fart right now. He was, uh, talk me through it. He it he was a guy in. in the holiday, the British guy. Um Jude Jude Law. Law. I thought he would have made he now he would have been more like the Daniel Craig, you know, and, and I even yeah. saying that out loud, but he has that proper like I wanna I wanna mm-hmm. shake his hand and almost punch him in the mouth, like proper London accent, you yeah, know? Like yeah. he's got a little bit of that. But um Hugh Grant. Oh Hugh was, Grant was another Hugh, one that would have been a cool one. The uh
0: I'm doing it too. Cause I can't think of his actual name. Um, (laughs) Chaucer from night. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, and he's vision and, uh, all the Marvel movies. Um, I know what you're talking about. What is his name. (laughs) He would be good. I think he'd be good. He's a little bit more of that. Like, uh, long and lean build. Yeah. But he's got the very, I think he's, he's probably got the very, uh, Pierce Brosnan-y vibe. We'll see, like Pierce Brosnan. What is his
1: name? <laughs> hmm. Christian Bale, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, Christian Bale. That might.
0: He'd probably be a good one. You can't be Bruce Wayne and 007, though. I think that's probably just like a rule of Hollywood.
1: <laughs> Superman <laughs> and... <laughs> super Yeah,
0: i guess that's good point you have something that's but bruce wayne kind of is double oh seven
1: you know what yeah. i mean yeah in his own right okay. i i gotta i gotta he's got out. all the cool gadgets is too? name wouldn't that be hilarious I'm if they were like based off of one another bustering. it's one of my favorite movies ever by the way what's a movie that um you never ever get tired of watching Dude, I honestly, Night's Tale. Yeah, like I, I, if and I
0: can't even say like when it's on TV because nobody has just like remember the scrolling yeah. guide screen, yeah. like nobody has that anymore. But if that's on, I will finish the movie. Like, and I, that's been that that is literally one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, and it's it was so funny, and it wasn't even that long ago. I had just seen somebody talking about it on Twitter. Um, like that movie, there's literally no movie like it. It completely changed that whole kind of sub genre of historical Mm -hmm. fiction because of the way that like all these little weird idiosyncrasies that they have in this movie where it's like, it's a seventies rock and roll soundtrack Mm -hmm. and like, and, and there's, they're dancing to David Bowie and singing like David Bowie in the one like ballroom scene. You know what I mean? But like, it's hilarious and it's, there's so many weird things like that, but it's, it's a movie that like no other movie I would have thought like, why aren't more people doing stuff like this Mm -hmm. where they can take historical periods of time and, you know, maybe have spins of real people like Jeffrey Chaucer, mm. who's real. Mm. Right. But have him be like this hilarious thing. That's not what he was in history. They're like, oh, I don't know why that wasn't
1: done more. Well, you know, but that movie is literally one of my favorites. Well, that's one of the things that I think Tarantino does really well is his soundtracks are like sledgehammers for those movies too, yeah. because they just kick ass. And that's yeah. so funny how like, a um, you don't even think of Paul Bettany. Paul. Yeah. 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 Paul Bettany. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say how much a soundtrack can impact a movie. You know, like, yeah. It, it just, it's important to it. Guy Ritchie's another one that picks some cool ones. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was, oh man, that's such a good movie. What's one for you? Like, it's, if it's on, if you, back in the days, imagine we have the guide screen and you have to watch through it three times, right? Cause you missed like one channel and now you get to wait until it cycles all the way back around. Um, uh, I can say if, if it's on, what are you stopping on and watching the whole thing? With
1: up? all, without hesitation, the number one for me in that regard, if that's a qualifier, is Tombstone. Uh, 100% mm. if it was on the first minute or 10 minutes left, I would finish it. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. The Bourne movies, I really kind of got into those a little oh. bit when they were on TV just because they were on TNT every weekend. All the and, time. Uh, so I would watch those. I'm trying to think if there was another one. Man, I don't I don't really really know that there's Hold on, let me look here. Cuz some of the movies <laughs> that I like, they don't come on TV. That was another fun thing like the ones
0: that are every time you scroll on TV it's on every day. Like not, like it's on one, it's on some channel every yeah. day. You know what? I mean? <laughs> like there's there's a few of those do you have any, the born ones. That's a good You have a one. movie
1: that you kind of have to be in the in like the right frame of mind to watch it. I'll give you an example. Seven. Like that is a fantastic movie, but I have one that I've seen like multiple times. You mean that's like, if I watch it, okay, I got to be, yeah, I've just got to be in a right frame of mind. Like I could, I could not as much as I enjoy that movie and like think it's incredible throughout. I couldn't just go grab the DVD and put it in right now and watch it. Like, yeah, I I could do that with a hundred movies, but that's one you kind of have to be in a place where you're like, all right, I'm going to be here for a minute and like absorb it. You know, American history X is the same way. Like, I think that's mm. one of the most impactful movies on my life, but I can only watch it in a certain headspace. I think, I don't know if there's a movie like that, but I, I can
0: tell you that there's a series like that. Like I, and I've only been able to go back through it. I think maybe just two or three times since it came out is breaking. Bad. Oh yeah. Same thing. It's heavy. Like, it's he- And I remember when it was out, when it, when it was coming out, I was a senior in college, the final season. Mm-hmm. And so everybody was like, I mean, it was the, the show talk of the world yeah. when that was going on. You know what I mean? And uh I hadn't watched the previous seasons when that most recent season had started. My senior year of college, I lived by myself. Mm-hmm. And I had this little it was like a triplex deal and the guy had built a third, like the third unit off around the back. And it was like really cool. It was like this little hobbit hole kind of uh, apartment that was like 500 square feet and had like a little loft. It was super dope actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But my whole senior year I lived by myself. Everybody else had a house with like five or six dudes. And I was just like, I don't, I don't want that. (laughs) 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 um, And so, uh, so I lived in this place and the way that my, uh, the way that my like training schedule with practice and then my class schedule was set up in the comm department. Basically all my classes were night classes. Mm. So I had like six to nine, one class a week, but I had it every day, like four days a week. Mm-hmm. Like that was pretty much my life and my senior year of, of college just because that's the way all the comm stuff was set up. Um, And then I'd have, I'd train all morning. So I'd have like this big block of time in the afternoon after lunch before like I, I could relax or get some work done. And eat and just hang out at my apartment for a little while before I had to go to my night go to dinner and then go to my night class, Mm -hmm. and I just crushed Breaking Bad. While the like once the fifth season had started, I just started moving through the seasons prior so I could like finish it with everybody that last those last couple of weeks, you know. And I remember like a week or so in. I'm sitting there in my room and like my shades are drawn and like it's dark and it's like the middle of the afternoon I'm like sunken into my leather chair like my leather couch like this little faux leather couch that I have watching it and I've watched like four episodes in a row and I look around and I'm like feeling just dark and heavy I'm like I need to go outside or yeah. something man like this is like I need to go give someone a hug and yeah. like, like and, and I've tried to watch like I've, I've only gone back through it in 10 years, I think I've only done it twice all the way through. And it was the same thing. Like that second time through, you really got to be like in a spot where you can commit to watching that show. I mean, as good as it is, it's one of the best shows ever, Mm -hmm. But, like, you can't. That's not one you can just, like, have on in the background no. while you're doing something or just, like, turn on and not
1: get totally sucked into. Yeah. Well, that's you know? what I was going to say, too. Is like, it, one, that tells how different we are because you want to go hug people and I just want to go start a drug business. So <laughs> that tells, that tells, I'm learning a lot tells the average from, from this show. I was like, that's where I went wrong, guys. That is where I, that's, that's where I went wrong. I didn't, I could do I didn't this. Buy a car I could wash. do this. Uh, but, um, <laughs> What was your uh, what was a show when you were a kid that you were like obsessed with? Mine was MacGyver. Like that was that That's a that was big one. as hell when I was a kid. I had my little He-Man uh like TV tray, and I had my, yeah. my plate with whatever was for dinner with applesauce and brown sugar in it. That was that's how I watched <laughs> MacGyver. Just leave me alone. I'm gonna watch it. The
0: man There was some, I wasn't super into like much, much of the cartoon. I mean, I guess I was a big Looney Tunes guy, big Looney Tunes guy, as a,
1: as big Looney Tunes guy. Tweety Bird pants guy at Walmart.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Big Looney Tunes guy. Um, that was like probably my, my cartoon, like as a kid growing up that we loved, um, but it was so funny because there was uh, like, I was, a, when I was growing up, I was a kid, like right at the apex of when, the explosion of like the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The original yeah. series and like all that and all that so stuff. You are a big
1: guy, big Drake guy.
0: Nope, <laughs> never got into that one. That one was not me. But we, I think we've talked about him before, but with Shia, oh, his yeah. show, Even Stevens, because yeah. uh, I think we're the Beans? same. We're, <laughs> yeah, Bean's the little neighbor kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, that show was so good and I've gone back now that like we have Disney plus because of my kids right. you know and I've gone back and like watched a couple episodes and I'm like dying laughing that show's like hilariously written and he as a 12 year old is brilliant in that oh, show yeah. and it just shows how like how smart and how good he was actually at that but it's funny because when I started like watching shows you know in, like middle school high school whatever I was always watching like old sitcoms mm-hmm. And like, I never really got into Seinfeld till I was out of high school and in college and stuff. But the one that we watched like growing up a ton was cheers mm. and mash. Oh hell yeah. And we used to watch those with, because those was like my dad's and my mom's favorite shows ever. <laughs> so good yeah so good and so cheers was another such a good show and it's funny that i brought that up because molly and i just like a week ago started because they're on prime started watching fraser oh yeah
1: yeah and that
0: show is great and uh but like i used to love all those ones and it's funny i had a um we had these uh, our our daycare our childcare when after school and when we were younger during the summers we would go to these elderly people's houses like really good family friends and they'd watch my sister and I and they had a couple other kids that were like one of them was my cousin they had like a little like kind of daycare thing at their house we called them Nana and Papa mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I used to sit with her I, I remember being like eight years old I used to sit with and it was probably funny because that I'm watching this is an eight nine year old or whatever but. We, we, she used to watch A&E oh, yeah. channel. And so every afternoon back to back was Magnum and Murder, She Wrote. Of course it was. And so I would sit in the afternoon with her while like the littler ones are sleeping. And I would literally, she'd crochet in her chair mm-hmm. and she'd just put on Murder, She Wrote. And I would just like sit and watch Murder, She Wrote and Magnum <laughs> PI with her like every day, <laughs> like from
1: the ages of six to 10. Oh, that was the way it was <laughs> for us at my babysitter. It was like, you got a little bit of cartoons in the morning. You got yeah. some of the like <clears throat> talk show after that. I mean, we had a we had a kind of a separate playroom, but it was always on. Yeah. And then at eleven, Price is Right was on, and then yes. it went to the court channels, like the same kind of
0: oh the court, channels, yeah, or the
1: court Judy. like Judge Judy and all that stuff. Yeah. And then in the afternoons, it was Andy Griffith, and in the heat of the night, so grew up on the so good, good raisin man. right there so
0: good and she would just like sit you know she'd she'd just sit and crochet and like all like i said the littler ones would be taking naps or whatever and i would be the only one up yeah and and my uh the, the husband papa would be out back like he had a shop that he was always like building stuff or working on cars and stuff and i go out there and help him but then i come back in and watch magnum like go back out and play and like whatever it was i awesome. feel like
1: every <laughs> i feel like every guy born after 1940 before 1980 has a shop where like they just oh, work yeah. on shit like I got a radio. I just all bought a brand new radio. I'm gonna take it apart. Just put it back together. Yep, that's
0: all he did. <laughs> he used, that was the first uh, woodworking project ever I ever did was uh, he got me just like a block mm-hmm. of wood, just like a four by four by twelve foot, yep. and he gave me a like a farrier's rasp yeah. kind of file, and he just just goes showed me how to use it, and he goes, "Let's see if you can build a car, like just carve a car out of it." And so like he had, he took a couple of the big chunks. He had like one of the big draw yeah. knives where he'd take a couple of big chunks off to kind of give me like the, like the general shape. Mm -hmm. But then he's like, just go to town, do what you can see what it looks like. And then we didn't even have wheels. We just put like screws and big washers Oh yeah. (laughs) As, as the wheels into the thing. (laughs) But I remember it like it was yesterday, dude. Like it was the first time I built something and made something like that with my hands. And it was just like the coolest thing ever. And he had it, I had it forever. And he, he passed away six or seven years ago, but like I had that little car forever. It was so cool.
1: It's funny how you remember stuff like that because I remember I think I talked to you about this once before too. But I got a model car. It was a Porsche 911, and I got it for my birthday. Yeah. And um, my dad was big into building model cars when he was a kid, and his brother uh, collected like Hot Wheels and stuff when they were kids. And they also yeah buy like this is in the 70s. They would buy like 60s models uh, muscle cars and either mini tub them or strip them down and primer them and drag race them. And just, they, t- they beat the shit out of them, but they were, they were good running cars. They just wanted them to look a certain way. So he's always had an affinity for that stuff. And man, my dad got me that car and, uh, I wanted to build it so bad, but he was like, I'll build it with you. I'll build it with you. And like, dude, I'm, I'm a father. You're a father. You understand, you know, time gets away from me and it's been a week or two and it's just, he's probably forgotten about it and it's not at me. So I took yeah. it over to my friend's house and they were building model cars too. That's probably why I wanted the car. Honestly, was just like, be cool like them.
0: Yeah. But yep. they were
1: like, and they were building them so fast. These little fuckers were building these things. Like they were Santa's elves. Like, I mean, literally it was a <laughs> new, new car built every day. And I'm like, how the hell? So they're like, Oh, let me show you. Let me show you. You don't even need all the internal components. You just need to build what's seen. So they built like yeah. this, you know, they helped me put it together so that it looked completed and it was red and all this stuff. Well, Hey, let's paint it black. Let's do this part and let's paint this copper and all this. So now it looks like this totally bastardized thing. And I take it to my dad and I show it to him. He said, what the hell is that? And I said, (laughs) you know, I built it with my friends, blah, blah, blah. And went on about it. And he's like, that's not how we do things in this house. We don't cut corners and we don't leave things out. If it's supposed to, you know, I get this big, long speech mm-hmm.
0: and I mm-hmm. thought he was
1: an asshole at the time, but looking back on it, it's like one, he really just wanted to build it with me. And two, that is, I mean, that's indicative of the way that I am and the way that they turned out. Like, you know, I'm not perfect by any stretch, but I do know there's a step and process to everything. And those guys are still cutting corners everywhere they can. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I've never forgotten that because I, that was the only car that I ever built. I kept it on my shelf, but I never picked it up or looked at it or anything. I hated that car, you know? So yeah. Still scarred, people. man. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we, that's how we grow. We talk through our yeah, issues. Well, I'm going to go punch myself in the face now. Thanks. Sounds good. Well, that's a
0: good place to leave it then. So I can let you get to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. uh, well, this will be out. Um, this will be out tomorrow on the fifth. So yeah, next week is where everything launches. Um, go sign up for the newsletter. we'll have more information on that. I'll put out a, an email blast next week that has all the, the specs on everything with the website launch, everything with the giveaway, the membership, all that stuff that we talked about today, you'll be able to read it and,
1: and go from there next week. So that'll do it people. Sounds great. Thank you guys. Thanks Ross.